Good morning and welcome to Real Truth for Today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. I'm the pastor of First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries. From His Heart is heard every weeknight at 6 p.m. Central Time right here on American Family Radio. Well, today we want to talk about the issue of abortion. Everybody is talking about this issue. We are uh, expected, hopefully today, to hear from the Supreme Court regarding the uh, possible reversal of Roe v. Wade, a tremendous victory for those who have been in the battle fighting for life. Now, to me, I'm a very black and white thinker, but to me, the issue of abortion uh, boils down to this. When does life begin? If life begins at conception, then that unborn baby in the womb is a person, a person created in the image of God, and that person needs to be protected with every uh, right that we have as uh, Americans, as as people made in the image of God. We have a, a right to life. The Scripture tells us in Proverbs chapter 31, Open your mouth for the dumb, for the rights of all the unfortunate. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and defend the rights of the afflicted and needy. I think that is the job of every pastor. That's the job of every Christian as we speak up for those who can't speak for themselves, as those who are afflicted and needy, and that is the unborn. Now, there is a debate going on. Uh, between those who who would say, hey, we want the same thing. We want abortion abolished. But there are those who say, well, we're pro-life, but we're not abolitionists. And we think that abortion needs to be abolished by little increments, little steps here and there to move the ball down the field. And there are those who say, we need to abolish abortion. We don't want to adopt the Bill Clinton uh, philosophy that says, I want abortion to be safe, legal, and rare. Uh, That's like saying, I want murder to be safe, legal, and rare. Uh, We want abortion to be abolished. Now, to help me and to help us understand this issue and the debate that's going on, especially going on right now in the Southern Baptist Convention, is my friend Dr. Tom Askell. Dr. Tom Askell is the pastor of Grace Baptist Church in Cape Coral, Florida. He's been the pastor there since 1986. He's the president of Founders Ministry, and he has uh, submitted his name for the presidency of the Southern Baptist Convention, and that convention takes place in June of uh, of 2022, June just coming up next month. Uh, Dr. Tom, welcome to Real Truth for Today. Jeff, thank you so much for inviting me uh, back on your show. I'm glad to be a part of this conversation. Well, I appreciate you, Tom, so much. And you're, uh, as a candidate for the presidency of the Southern Baptist Convention, you're you're on the front lines of this issue. And so uh, for those of us who were kind of in the dark about this, thinking that we were all on the same team wanting the same thing as, as pro-lifers, uh, what, is, what is the debate and what is going on right now in, in that uh, arena? Yeah, well, I, I think there's a large backstory that I'm just now beginning to get some focus on. But what has happened in the last week or so is uh, that we had this bill, HB 813, which was a, a bill to abolish abortion in the state of Louisiana. It's the first bill that has made it out of a state legislature to, uh, committee to be debated and possibly adopted 
that would recognize the uh, fact that from the point of conception and fertilization, uh, that which is in a mother's womb is a human being. It's a, a real person and is therefore uh, to be granted the same protections under the law as all other persons in these United States. And it, it was an incredible accomplishment to get this out of committee uh, on the floor. Well, in the midst of this last week, right before the debates were uh, going to be on the floor of the Louisiana legislature, uh, nearly 80 pro-life groups from around the nation issued an open letter in which they made it quite clear that uh, this is a uh, uh, not a good policy to follow because this bill would recognize if you're going to give equal protection under the law, that means if you uh, kill someone that has those protections, then there's going to be consequences. There needs to be legal repercussions, as it would be if somebody killed you or me or any of our kids. Right. Uh, the same protection would be granted to the preborn. And these right-to-life elitists issued this statement and they were just very clear in kind of a morally indignant tone that women are victims of abortion. Those who pay abortionists to take babies out of their wounds and to dismember them, that those women are just as much victims as the babies that are killed, and therefore they have no moral culpability in the act of abortion. I was appalled at this. I was absolutely appalled, and as a Southern Baptist pastor, I was especially appalled that the acting president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, uh, Brent Leatherwood, signed his name to that open letter, especially after last summer, Southern Baptist messengers representing all of our churches overwhelmingly adopted a resolution that said the exact opposite of what this open letter said. So, I mean, there's multiple problems in all of that, but I think the most significant that is forefront uh, that ought to awaken every Christian, every pro-life Christian, is what is it that our elitist pro-life leaders are and think that they're doing? Uh, it, it just strikes me that we have the same kind of division between uh, this, these that consider themselves the, uh, the, the untouchable class and elitists and those of us who are just the deplorables that are supposed to listen to all of their proclamations and oracles from on high and say, oh, okay, yes, we'll follow after you. I think our leaders are way out of touch with our churches and with everyday Christians who see these things very clearly. We're talking about a human being here, and that human being deserves equal protection under the law, as does every human being that has survived a mother's womb and made it into a life uh, without uh, being a part of a, a preborn status anymore. Well, that's the way I understand it, and so it seems logical if if that preborn baby is a person and life begins at conception. I found that people that are pro-abortion don't like to tell you when life begins um, because then they don't. They would say, "Well, you're you're killing a life," so they don't want to say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them, Vody Bauckham pointed out that uh, some of them just flat out say, "Well, so what? You know, this is what we're doing." Yeah. Um, Okay, so Tom, we there was an article written by Denny Burke, uh, who's on the faculty mm-hmm. at Southern Seminary, and he basically said that in the Southern Baptist Convention, there's a tiny majority of people who are pushing for uh, the abolition of abortion. Um, 
But we voted overwhelmingly to pursue that in Nashville last year. Uh, how, how does yeah. he get a? How does he say there's a tiny majority <laughs> or a tiny minority? I don't know. You know, I, I'm trying to understand Denny's logic. I've written an article that I hope to release today uh, about that. I'll take on some of Denny's arguments, which I find to be completely uh, unconvincing, unconvincing. But it strikes me as a guy, you know, who whistles in the dark, you know, hoping that uh, by doing so he can convince everybody that there's nothing there. Uh, yeah, to say a tiny minority did this, that that strongest anti-abortion resolution in the history of the Southern Baptist Convention was overwhelmingly adopted. It was done so despite the resolutions committee refusing to bring it out. So the messengers had to overrule the resolutions committee and bring it to the floor, then debate it, and then have it adopted. And the many of the people promoting that resolution, they, they printed up 7,500 little booklets with the exact text of the resolution in it and distribute it to the messengers. Now, most of the time, quite honestly, messengers are voting on resolutions that, that many, if not most of them, have never read. They right. just listen to the resolutions committee from the platform, say, you know, this is a good resolution, you ought to adopt it. And, and most of the time, we trust the platform and do it. But I would argue that more messengers read this strong anti-abortion resolution last year than perhaps... Uh, any resolution that's been offered in, in recent years, and it was overwhelmingly adopted. Well, Denny Burke at Southern Seminary, together with some very prominent ethicists and other theologians in the SBC, wrote a letter shortly after the convention last year against this resolution, saying why they opposed it, why they voted against it. And again, I find their rationale, their moral reasoning flawed and unconvincing, uh, Denny has argued, he says, the pro-life position has always been that we uh, seek justice by wanting to punish the abortionist, but not the mother, because the mother's the victim. This is the consistent pro-life uh, position. And it, it just, it is strange, strange logic. It's like saying, if I don't murder someone, but I just contract a murderer to murder someone, I'm not culpable. Well, when Nathan went to David after uh, David had done what he did with Bathsheba and then Bathsheba's husband had him killed, Nathan accused David of killing Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. Though David didn't thrust the knife into his chest, David just arranged for his killing. Well, when a woman pays an abortionist to end the life of her child, she has moral culpability. That doesn't mean that it's always equal. So I would never say that all women who have had abortions or have abortions are in the same way culpable. There are some who've been trafficked and abused and their boyfriends or their husbands forced them to have abortions. That's different than these women who have put up on YouTube, shout your abortion. Right. And I'm not a victim who paraded. It's sickening to listen to them. I killed my baby because I didn't want to lose my beach body. I want to ask Denny Burke, are you telling me these people are not culpable? Now, to Denny's defense, against the open letter argument, Denny says there is some culpability for the women who undergo abortions, but it's too confusing, too difficult for us to sort out to what degree they're culpable, therefore they shouldn't be punished. Well, that's the whole purpose of our legal system and our judicial system, 
is to have trials to sort out the degree of culpability of crimes committed. So I don't understand his argument. I think it's completely flawed. I think he's completely out of touch with rank-and-file Southern Baptists, and I think it's a further commentary of how far we have deviated from simple, biblical, moral reasoning. Well, as I was reading his article, I was trying to understand it, too. I'm a, I'm a very black-and-white thinker, and so it's like, I don't know, this doesn't make sense to me. So if life begins at conception, and it does, then anything that you would do to that life to take it would be murder, and anybody involved in that murder would be accountable. Uh, to me, that's just a, a pretty uh, normal way of thinking, you know. It's just kind of A, B, C, D. You just go down the line. So, so Tom, if you are going to play devil's advocate on that position, uh, tell me if I, I'm understanding this correctly. They're basically saying, and Denny's basically saying as he speaks for those folks, is if you add in punishing the woman that you're going to destroy the progress uh, of the pro-life movement because nobody's going to go for that, and therefore we can't we can't move forward any longer. Would that be fair to say? That's exactly right. It, it's a very pragmatic argument, and I get it. You know, politics is not uh, the church, and so we we need to understand that politics has to be done in certain ways. But we should never build our political theology strictly on pragmatics. We should always start with a foundation of what does the Lord say. And when we read the Scriptures, we understand what the Scriptures say, as we just discussed about this being a real human life, this being a real taking of innocent life. You start there, and then you look at the political landscape. But you don't, you don't make arguments that deny the biblical moral case that is given to us in the scriptures. And that's where I think the, the problem is. And so what Denny says, he, has, he makes two arguments. He says one's moral, one's political. And the political is, and I don't, I don't think it's even close to being a, a, a good argument, but he says politically, if you start charging mothers and will not be able to convict abortionists because uh, they won't be able to testify against the abortionists. I got you. We're talking to Dr. Tom Askell about the issue of abortion, pro-life versus abolitionist. I thought we were all on the same team, but evidently not. Uh, you're listening to Real Truth for today, and I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Don't go away. We've always had an interest. God has given us a gift of being able to help a lot of people with their finances and budgets and stuff. Bernie and Alice Larson are faithful supporters of the American Family Association. We were thinking about the charitable gift annuities, and we'd never heard of that before, but we thought, well, we'd always wanted to leave some of our money with, for God, but we didn't know where or how. And it, we felt like this was put into our laps as answer to our prayers as to what we could do after we're gone. The Larsons learned that a charitable gift annuity from the AFA Foundation would provide them with monthly income for life, as well as supporting the American Family Association into the future. You can learn more about charitable annuities and other financial products at afafoundation.net or call 800-326-4543, extension 345. You just can't outgive God, and He just keeps pouring back into us. 
airing the Addisons. Sherry B and J Mac are on tap to help us navigate the show. Well, the great, where do we go next? All right, let's go to Brad in Arkansas. Hi, Brad. Good afternoon. I enjoy your show as always. Applying scripture to life. You can talk about anything that we have discussed this week or maybe something that you want to bring to our attention. If we don't know about it, we're just going to tell you we don't know about it. You know, and then you'll just have to, you know, judge me. I'm sorry. Barry <laughs> the Addisons. Weekdays at 2 Central on American Family Radio. God can use persecution to strengthen the church and individuals within it. Persecution is granted to us. Don't miss this. What an honor to be chosen to follow in the footsteps of Christ, to die like the thief beside him, so that men enslaved to sin can see the gospel written in our flesh and believe. Gain more perspective on persecution with Jordan Shambly's article, The Victorious Persecuted Church, in the Fall 21 issue of Engage Magazine, or visit EngageMagazine.net. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Welcome back to Real Truth for Today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve, and I'm talking to Dr. Tom Askell. Tom is the pastor of Grace Baptist Church, and he is a candidate for the presidency of the Southern Baptist Convention as we convene next month uh, in Anaheim, California. We're talking about the issue of abortion, and uh, if you're like me, you've been learning that uh, there are those in the pro-life camp who uh, say they want to abolish abortion, but they they think that it can only be abolished in increments. And as uh, Dr. Tom made it clear in the last segment, uh, they feel like it's political suicide to push for uh, abolishing abortion completely. And and if you abolish abortion, then you call it murder and you say that a baby uh, life begins at conception, then those who are involved in the murder would be uh, have to face the consequences of that, and the mother would be involved in that murder. And so, uh, Tom, if we look at the issue of slavery, uh, how did we get rid of slavery? Was it incremental, or was it through the work of guys like William Wilberforce who pushed for the abolition of slavery? Well, it's both. I mean, and William Wilberforce took what he could get when he could get it, but he never took his eye off the ball. He never took his eye off the ultimate goal. And, and Jeff, I just need to be really uh, uh, candid with you right here. I've had friends for the last several years tell me that so much, not all, but so much of the pro-life establishment in this country is designed to be self-perpetuating because of all of the money that flows into their coffers by this cause. 
and and that the worst thing that could happen to them financially, they know, is for abortion to be ended in this country. Now, that's a pretty jaded view, and so I resisted it for a long time. But I have to tell you, at least with some of these organizations, I'm becoming fully convinced that's precisely what's going on, is that they are wanting to perpetuate the rationale for their existence. And so the true abolition of abortion would be the worst thing in the world that could ever happen to them. Now, I don't believe that's that's true for the rank-and-file pro-lifers, guys like me and you and the people we shepherd in our churches. And I don't think that's true for Denny Burke. I want to be on record for saying that. But I do believe that some of the arguments that have been loudly and forcefully marshaled forth by the pro-life establishment elitists have begun to influence the thinking. So uh, of, of regular pro-life people like Dr. Burke. So, for example, uh, Dr. Burke, in, in one of his articles, he wrote two, a couple of days apart, he talks about these people who want to end abortion right now, like was going on in the, the bill from the Louisiana legislature I mentioned earlier. He said, here we are, the pro-life movement, and we've been moving the ball down the field consistently. You know, we've been making plays to get closer to the goal line, and, and now we're just on the brink of having Roe v. Wade overturned. And they come in and they tackle our player, you know, and they keep us from, from making a, a further advance. Well, I'll just use the same analogy and say, okay, so we've got the pro-life industry that's been, do, been going three yards in a cloud of dust uh, and with a lot of penalties interspersed over the last 49 years in this mm-hmm. country. And along comes an opportunity for uh, Tom Brady to throw a deep bomb pass to Mike Evans. And Mike Evans is wide open, and he's going to catch it. He's going to score like he always does. And the pro-life industry elites jump on the field and tackle Mike Evans before the ball gets to him. That's what happened in the Louisiana Bill 813 that was derailed by the pro-life establishment elitists in their open letter. That that's just mind-boggling to me. Um, yeah, me too. That that's uh, that's got to be a wound to the heart of God because. Uh, and I, I was watching uh, Tom. I was watching your brother in the in the uh, video where he he brought this before the floor at the Southern Baptist Convention, right. and he quoted from Proverbs thirty-one eight. Uh, I've that's used right. that verse talking to my church when it comes to uh, when it comes to election time. Hey, we are mm-hmm. here to stand up for the unborn. And uh, I, I got this line from Adrian Rogers, but I've used it many, many times. I just love it. I wouldn't vote for my own mother if she were pro-abortion <laughs> or if she were soft on abortion. Um, abortion yeah. is murder, and it's it's a brutal murder. It's, it's ripping a person apart piece by piece. Uh, I just can't uh, – I can't fathom anyone – uh, standing up, I, I don't know Denny Burke, but uh, you know I've heard good things about him, and he seems to be a mm-hmm. solid guy. How do you how do you stand up and and you're you're almost you know speaking for the other team? You're it doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't make sense to me either. And I've not talked to Doctor Burke about this. Uh, hope to have that opportunity at some point. But you know we're at a point right now where. Uh, I'd love to have those conversations, but it's far more important right now to end abortion now. We've got to do it. And if these guys are going to uh, make arguments that uh, will prolong that or inhibit that in any way, they they need to be uh, called upon to give an account to the churches that they represent. And that's the one thing that I I think uh, 
has been not fully understood by these folks who are making the cases. When Mr. Leatherwood of the ERLC, the president, acting president of that, when Denny Burke speaks as a professor at Southern Seminary, they are speaking with Southern Baptist churches paying their salaries. And I'm not suggesting that they have to be automatons and puppets to say anything that all the churches want to be said. But if they cannot speak clearly what Southern Baptist churches are on record saying, we believe in that resolution last summer that we passed the most forceful anti-abortion resolution in the history of the SBC, then they, they need to be quiet. They shouldn't work against us if they're not going to work for us. Yeah, amen. That's a good point. Well, Tom, let me switch gears on you a little bit. Uh, what's your life been like since your name has been submitted as a candidate for presidency? Well, uh, in most respects, it's been uh, what it's always been like. I'm a pastor, and that's my first priority in ministry. So, you know, I'm, I'm working very diligently not to let anything take the place of that. And uh, people have said, well, what will happen if you win? How will you manage everything? Well, you know, I know it'll take a lot of help, and I've got a lot of help. Praise God. There's godly men that serve in the church with me here, leaders, and my wife's wonderful, and friends, you know, tried to uh, make themselves available. But I'm a pastor, and uh, so everything I'm doing in ministry is after that. I mean, I, I decided a long time ago, God helped me when I was struggling as a young man, to get priorities clear. And so here they are. And and I'm not saying I hit them all the time just right, but I always have this standard to come back to to reorient when I get off track. I'm a Christian. I must be a disciple of Jesus first and foremost. So I've got to deal with my own heart before him. Secondly, I'm a husband and God's given me a wife. That's my main responsibility in life is to care for her uh, as a Christian. And then I'm a father, grandfather now, so I don't have kids in my home. So that's a little bit different. But then I'm a pastor, and the church knows this. The church knows that, that my work as a pastor comes after those other priorities, and after that, I do other things. And so if I become the SBC president, uh, that's, the, that's where I'll do it. I'll do it in that slot after those primary priorities. So, you know, there, there's been demands on my time, and I'm having to manage that more carefully, but um, I'm talking about things I've always talked about, and I, I love talking about, so it's not that I'm having to study up on different stuff, and I'm giving more, been given more opportunities like this to uh, have conversations. I'm happy about that. Uh, but uh, people say, How, how's your campaign? Well, I don't have a campaign, <laughs> and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not running, you know. I've had people make suggestions. You ought to be doing this. I said, well, maybe. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm a pastor, and if God yes. wants me to be president, I'm going to trust him to make me president. If he doesn't, it's not going to change my life because I've got plenty to do as a pastor and, and trying to fulfill my priorities. And, and yet I want to be a good steward. And uh, if he makes me president, well, then I, I want to do the best I can to serve Southern Baptists as faithfully as I know how and, and just continue these kind of conversations and just turn on lights and say, hey, brothers and sisters, these are things we need to look at. You know, here's something maybe we've neglected for a while that needs attention, needs a course correction. Let's change the direction where we need to in order to be more faithful to the inerrant, infallible word that the Lord has given to us. Right. Well, Tom, one of the things I appreciate about you is you're not running for president. You, you have allowed your name to be submitted, and, uh, and you are concerned about the, the trend and the direction of the Southern Baptist Convention. And so tell our listeners why that's a concern to you. Well, yeah, the, the Southern Baptist Convention matters. I mean, of course, I've got a lot of personal investment involvement. I've 
grew, grew up in a Southern Baptist home. I was converted in Southern Baptist Church, ordained in Southern Baptist Church, married in Southern Baptist Church. My kids have grown up in Southern Baptist Church. I pastored only Southern Baptist churches. So there's that personal dimension. But look at what God has done with the SBC. We're not perfect, and we've got all kinds of of blemishes and flaws in our past, as does every institution, Christian or otherwise, and every Christian. But we live by grace, and by God's grace, He has positioned the SBC to... uh, be useful in his kingdom. We, we educate one-third of all of the seminary students in the United States. Think about that. That's massively important going forward. We have the largest missionary sending force in the world today. And if, if those options, those, those blessings right there are not stewarded well, you know the enemy. The devil hates what God's doing. He hates God. He hates God's people. He's always trying to uh, steal, kill, and destroy. And if we're not stewarding these blessings, then the SBC won't just not be a force for good in the world. It will become a force for evil in the world. We've seen it happen in the Presbyterian Church in the United States, PCUSA. We've seen it in the United Methodist Church. Uh, we've seen it in the United Church of Christ. There's a United Church of Christ here in my area that's hosting an LGBTQ drag queen show on mm-hmm. Saturday for young people. I mean, that these people didn't start these uh, churches and these associations of churches and denominations so that they could promote evil. Nobody does that. But that's what's happened, and that can happen to the Southern Baptist Convention. If we don't believe it, we're naive. It happened in the New Testament. Uh, the Apostle Peter said, you're the Christ, Son of the living God. Five minutes later, Jesus is saying to him, get behind me, Satan. If mm. the devil can influence the Apostle Peter, we are naive to think he couldn't influence us as a convention of churches or our leaders, those whom we esteem. The devil is no respecter of persons. So... It matters, and I just want to see the SBC brought back to a humble devotion to Jesus Christ, a fear of God, and a resolution to use everything that he puts into our hands for the extension of his kingdom and for the expression of his glory throughout the world. I I long for that, and I'll do that as a pastor here in Cape Coral to the best of my ability, and if God gives me other opportunities, I want to use those uh, in the same way. Well, I appreciate that, Tom. I appreciate your heart, and I uh, appreciate the fact that you, you deal with those who are contrary to you in, in a way that, in my opinion, is very kind and gracious. You don't go after people. You're not nasty or mean, um, but you're firm, and you're firm on what you believe in, and, uh, and I always appreciate that. You know, I, I go back to the verse in Acts 13 where Paul said to, uh, to this Simon the sorcerer, uh, Elimus, uh, you who are full of all deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? Of the Lord, that's the devil's plan in a nutshell. He's constantly coming at the straight paths of the Lord to make them crooked. And it seems to me that institutions of higher learning, colleges, universities, seminaries, those are are big time targets of his. Because if I can get you off a little bit then I can destroy generations of people through false doctrine. Yeah, Do you agree amen. with that? That's exactly right. Oh, I agree 100% with that. And here's where I think that we uh, we get manipulated 
because we're not on our guard. The Bible has so many warnings given to us, Old and New Testaments. Beware, watch out, you know, don't fall. Don't think that you're beyond falling. All of these warnings, and if we don't take them seriously, and then we'll be offended when somebody raises a question like has been raised, like I raised with uh, Brent Leatherwood when he signed the open letter. letter. I called the trustees to remove him. I think as a Southern Baptist church, those trustees are supposed to hold the ERLC in trust for my church and other SBC churches. And yet, you know, the typical response that was kind of anticipated from the trustees was, uh, this is a good man. He's done good things. We're fine. You know, th- ignore these questions. Nathan right. Finn, who uh, is also uh, running for political office in the SBC, said, well, just ignore the political operatives and the trolls. I mean, well, that's just disrespectful. And it's like they, they believe they're immune to what the Bible tells us we must constantly be on our guard against. And so I, I hate that, but that's where we are. It's time for us to wake up. It's time for Southern Baptist churches to realize what's going on and to show up in Anaheim to change the direction. Amen. Well, I'm planning to be there, and I look forward to uh, to seeing you there. Uh, Tom, I appreciate you so much and praying for you, my friend. And uh, how can people uh, follow you and, and hear what you have to say as you weigh in on these and other important issues? Yeah, well, I'm probably most active on social media with Twitter. And you can find me there at Tom Askell, T-O-M-A-S-C-O-L. And the same thing is true at Facebook. It's the same handle there. And then uh, Instagram, I think it's Thomas Askell. But, yeah, if you if you go to founders.org, you'll get my writings there. You can go to trueGraceOfGod.org. There's where my sermons are uh, from the church. And um, anything that I can do to help, I want to be helpful. So it, I'm pretty easy to find online. So if people... Uh, want to access things that I've produced, they can go online and find them pretty quickly. And if they don't find them, they can contact the church or founders or me, and we'll do our best to try to help. Amen. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate you being our guest today on Real Truth for Today. Well, we are talking about the issue, have been talking about the issue of abortion. And uh, listen, abortion stops, as, as you've heard the phrase, it stops a beating heart. Uh, abortion is murder and murderers need to be held to account. And so we've been lying to women for uh, many, many decades saying it's just a lump of cells or whatever. It's not. It's a, it's a person that's growing inside you. It's not your body. It's another body that is growing inside you, and the womb ought to be the safest place in all the world. We are going to uh, take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk to Debbie with now. Debbie is the president of American Family Association Action I Voters Guide. You won't want to miss this discussion, so stay tuned. Bishop E.W. Jackson. What needs to be told to these black men is get a job, stop fathering children that you can't take care of, stop hanging out in the streets and stop acting like the cops are your enemy anytime you interact with them, particularly when you're interacting with them in a situation where you know they've come expecting potential trouble because of the circumstances you've allowed yourself to be in. How about trying that? Weekdays at noon central on American Family Radio. 
Hello, I'm Sam Rohr, president of the American Pastors Network, a growing national network of pastors committed to the authority of Scripture and preaching the whole counsel of God. We believe biblical obedience is the foundation for revival and impacting our culture for Christ is our duty. For too long, the pulpits of America have been silent on the important issues such as marriage and family and assault on our liberty. Join us in the battle for truth on Stand in the Gap weekend, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. on American Family Radio, and visit us at AmericanPastorsNetwork.org. You ever make a change and then think, why didn't I do this years ago? Well, that's how people feel about switching to MediShare for their health care, especially now with inflation the way it is. People are very happy with the savings. Most families save about $500 a month when they switch. It's a huge help when prices are going up so fast in so many other areas. And MediShare's customer satisfaction rate is double that of health insurance. It's just a different experience, and people really like that. MediShare is an alternative to health insurance. It's a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills, and it's been going strong for over 25 years. It really is the gold standard, the most trusted name in health care sharing. Find out why people love it. Find out why they rave about the customer service, and find out how good it feels to save some money right now. They're super easy to talk to. Here's the number. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Emmy was in a bad relationship when she found out she was pregnant. Her boyfriend told her to get an abortion, which she seriously considered. I knew that if I got an abortion, a part of me would be broken. Emmy went to a preborn center in need of guidance. They honestly were able to put every fear at ease and let me know that it was going to be okay. Because of them, he's here. I couldn't imagine my life without him. Preborn clinics introduce moms in crisis to their babies through ultrasound while providing hope, love, and the gospel in action. When an expectant mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears the heartbeat, she's 80% more likely to choose life for her baby. To find out more, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Your love can save a life. Welcome back to Real Truth for Today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve, the pastor of First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries. You can find out more about From His Heart Ministries at uh, fromhisheart.org. And you can follow me, if you'd like, on Twitter, at Jeff Shreve, at Jeff Shreve, J-E-F-F-S-C-H-R-E-V-E. Well, at American Family Association, there is an affiliate called AFA Action. It's the Governmental Affairs Affiliate of American Family Association. And we have on uh, the program today, Debbie Wuthnow. And Debbie is the president of AFA Action's iVoter Guide. And so, Debbie, welcome to Real Truth for Today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Well, tell our listeners what you do and what uh, the uh, AFA Action is all about. Well, AFA Action's uh, goal is to restore the principles of limited government, free enterprise, conservative principles, and biblical values. And iVoterGuide specifically equips Christians to identify candidates who share our biblical values so that they can vote for people who will represent us and what's important to us. 
So we were just talking about the issue of abortion in the last couple of segments with uh, Tom Askell. Um, that's a big issue for voters, as it should be. And uh, so that would be one of the key things that uh, I Voter Guide will tell us, right? Where does this person stand on, on issues like that? Uh, we do our best. It is one of our um, survey questions that every candidate gets an opportunity to ask, which is what are your exceptions to abortion? And that can be very revealing in the especially Republican primary where there's a variety of positions and we want to give the voters that information. And it also factors into what iVoterGuide does is we research every candidate, what they've done, not just what they say they're going to do and assign a rating. And that rating has life as a big part of it. And it goes from very uh, verified liberal to verified conservative to equip voters to know which ones, not just on life, but on, you know, protecting religious liberty and, and, and other issues that are important to conservatives. Uh, Debbie, do you find that candidates are are likely or unlikely to respond to your questions? It seems like more and more of them don't want to, you know, you, you see that line in the list, failed to respond or didn't respond. Uh, what are you seeing happen there? I, I see that it, it's going a bit down. It's going down a bit. This year, we're getting about half of the candidates who answer our survey, which is why the research that iVoterGuide does uh, for AFA action is is critical because if they don't answer the survey, what other information do you have? And all that research takes time and it takes money. And I would encourage you to go to iVoterGuide, check it out yourself. And if you see the value of the research that iVoterGuide does, um, I would encourage you to support iVoterGuide's work through a donation to AFA action by going to afaaction.net or calling 877 877- 616-2396. Help, uh, help us do more of this research and make it available to voters across the nation. Yeah, now that, that gift is not tax deductible, but it does make a big difference in moving the ball forward in the political realm of America, and that is important. Uh, yeah, Debbie, tell, us, tell, tell our listeners, because you have some people that just say, you know, I'm a Christian, and I don't really care about politics. Why is politics important, and why is it important for Christians to get involved in that? I think it's a, a godly command to be salt and light in this community. We need to let our light shine, and we need to not just hide in our homes. I mean, it's important, right, that we live our lives as an example to others, and participating in culture and uh, speaking truth, and at a very minimum, um, using your vote, which is a talent, if you think about it, of all the things that God gives us, he's put us in America, and in America, we have the power or the res- and the responsibility to participate because we are we the people have the, the highest power. So I Voter Guide is there to equip you to be a good steward of your vote. Well, I still remember hearing a sermon years ago and, and here was the, the case made for every Christian voting. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and render to God the things that are God's. Well Caesar is our Caesar is our form of government. And our form of government wants our vote. I mean, they spend uh, untold millions and millions and millions of dollars to get you to vote for them. So they want you to vote. And uh, I believe it is, it is a critical stewardship of every Christian to vote. And, and Debbie, we've all run into the problem. I've run into this in the voting booth where, especially in some of these, you know, less publicized uh, positions, you don't know who you don't know who the people are. You don't know what they stand for. Uh, how does I Voter Guide help us with that? Uh, it, actually, there's that's called an, if people go into the polls and they don't vote for a race because they don't know anything about the candidates. That's like fifty to sixty percent of 
voters, have that happen. And that's why I voter guide research is not just the president, not just the senators. We research all of the federal candidates in all 50 states, so all of the House, all of the Senate and the U.S. House. And then in 35 states, I voter guide researches the statewide races, including comptroller and treasurer and lieutenant governor and you know those positions that you don't even know what they do much less who those people are and we give you the same research on them as well as your state senate and your state rep so we're going to research about twelve thousand candidates nationwide all available at ivoterguide.com and your support makes it possible tell us again how we can support you go to um afa action one word dot net and click on the donate button, or you can call. We've got some people ready to take your call at 877-616-2396. You can give a one-time gift. I think we have a thank you available that they can tell you about. You can give a recurring gift. Uh, you know, just a few dollars every month helps us to to research the candidates. We're even growing into researching school board candidates in some select races. And because the closer to home, the more the impact. And the school boards are really... Um, they're going in the wrong direction if you look at yeah. the CRT and all that kind of stuff. But parents are waking up, but they need information to identify the good candidates. And that's what iVoterGuide does, and your help would um, help us to do more of that. Now, Debbie, as the president, how many people do you have in the organization? So in the iVoterGuide uh, division of AFA Action, we have 63 paid researchers, but then we have hundreds of volunteers that um, help us to uh, do that evaluation that gauge is done by vetted volunteers who just dive into the research. So um, you can you can ha- help pay for those researchers, or you can step up and volunteer. But <laughs> you need to, um, to to do something. This is a, a way to get some information and to, to make a difference, to, to be doing something positive. Now, how did you get involved in this? Uh, it was a complete God thing. Um, I was a stay-at-home mom for 20 years, asking God what he wanted me to do with my empty nest. And little did I know he would use my... Um, background. I have a master's in computer science, but I had quit work to go raise my children. And I asked somebody to be a job reference. And she said, my husband programs this online voter guide and needs some help technically. And he knew that I had the quality, you know, I had a background. He said, come on in. And to me, it was the open door that I had asked for, asked God to show me. Um, But politics was not something I was, I was just a pro-life voter. I mean, truly, that is all I did. I would vote. And if I knew you were pro-life, that's who I would vote for. But I've learned that there's so much more involved in it, and the need for information is so great that um, God's just woven this thing together, and I'm just one piece of it. But um, I see God working, and I, you know, when you when you see that God has called you to do something, you do it to the very best of your ability, and so mm-hmm. that's what we're all doing. The whole team just sees this as a calling and as a ministry. We are. Um, we're all just believers trying to be good stewards of the, what God has given us and just happens to be in the political realm. But uh, it's, it's just a blessing to work with the great people at iVoterGuide and AFA Action. Debbie, what are the challenges that you experience in, in doing this? Um, I would say spiritual challenges. Um, as we get uh, try to expose truth, uh, the enemy will fight it back <laughs> against that. Yes. And um, so just uh, pray for our team. You know, the technology that, that is amazing that, you know, 15 years ago, the Internet couldn't do all these things. But right now, it's an online voter guide instead of those printed paper things that you, yeah. you know, pick up at church. And you had to know what district you lived in to know what candidate was on your ballot. Well, at iVoterGuide.com, you just enter your address, your, your address, and we have a, a tool that tells us what districts you live in. So we'll just give you a personalized ballot with all of that data. You can print it. 
you can take it to the church. But, you know, the, the more we go down ballot, the you couldn't print all the research in school board candidates. We covered just in Alabama, we had 155 candidates in this primary. Wow. Um, nationwide, 12,000 candidates between the primary and the general. You can't print and provide all that information, no. um, but the internet makes it possible. And so pray for our team. And um, just sometimes diving for data gets hard because the, it, you know, the candidates and the media, so there's some spin that's going on and right. they try to hide the truth. So um, just pray for us as we seek to find truth and share truth. Well, that's been a frustration, as you know, for voters uh, on a national basis. We, we vote for this person that we thought was going to be a strong conservative, and then they get in office and they're not. And that, that's why our philosophy in a way that one of the guys who founded it, Richard Ford, really believed that actions speak louder than words. And so the whole philosophy of iVoterGuide is to look at what they've done not just what they say they're going to do. So we look at their campaign finance data because who they take money from and who they give money to says a lot about what's important to them. As Then we get their endorsements, they answer our survey. But the biggest data point is if, if they've ever held office and they've had to vote on a bill, we gather the, um, they're called scorecards, so organizations who score the votes of legislators. That's What they've done is the best predictor of what they're going to do, not what they say. So that's the... Our, our, our attempt, our goal. Well, so as a stay-at-home mom that was just praying, God, use my life, show me what you want me to do, uh, then he thrusts you into this. This is a huge platform. Um, how have you, I mean, you had to feel overwhelmed with this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there was some time I felt like I am in the deep end. How in the world did I get here? But you go back to the confidence of the call of I know God has brought me to this, so I know God will equip me for what he's called me to do. And it's, you know, you put your foot in the water just like the, <laughs> the Israelites, and then he'll remove the water. But you've got to take that step. So I have, I have found myself in some situations I never would have dreamed, but God has been sufficient, and I know he will continue to be. Amen. Well, um, how can we best pray for you and pray for the team? Uh, um, pray for strength. Pray for um, energy. Um, it, it's daunting the number of hours that get put in by our team. Pray for protection for them and their families. Um, is is that an issue? I mean, do you do you have I'm, scenarios where it could be like this could get violent or somebody could come after me? I pray not, but I'd rather pray protection before it yeah, happens. Um, right. We don't have an office building, so we're very dispersed. Um, we we actually all work from home. Um, yes. And but but still, there's there's still challenges, you know, when you're on social media or you tell, you know, people are just afraid to talk about what they believe. So there's always that concern. Um, and just pray for us to find the truth and for the technology to sometimes we even sense the technology under attack and the website will go down. Or we're like, what's that going on? So yeah. so for that to go smoothly, because we are a technology company. Um, so if, if you perchance try to go to iVoterGuide.com and it doesn't work, give us some time and pray because <laughs> we are doing our best to, um, to do all the research and to get it to you as quickly as we can. Well, we appreciate what you do. Tell us again how we can get involved, how we can, we can support uh, what we're doing here. Well, there's two ways. One, to get your ballot, go to iVoterGuide.com and enter your address or sign up for our email list. But what we need even more is your financial support. So if you go to afaaction.net and click on the donate button, and or, or you could call 877-616-2396. So afaaction.net or 877-616-2396. 
888-9696 and uh, your financial support would be very appreciated, but your prayers just as much so. So thank you so. Thank you, Debbie. I appreciate you coming on today and I appreciate what you do. And may God give you wisdom as you uh, oversee this and, and uh, that the truth would go out. You know, you had mentioned that the, the devil hates the truth and uh, what you're doing is to give people the truth. Uh, Jesus said, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. Jesus was love incarnate and the world rejected him. And the world said, not this man, but Barabbas. Uh, what then shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? Let him be crucified. Shall I crucify your king? We have no king, but Caesar. Uh, if Jesus Christ was treated that way, love in the flesh, we shouldn't be surprised when we get treated harshly and, uh, and we run into difficult times when we're standing for the truth. But that's what God has called us to do. And so I appreciate so much what you're doing. I appreciate what your team's doing. And I just want to encourage our listeners to support this uh, this great work. I know it's not a, a tax-deductible gift, but if you can give $25 or $50, a one-time gift of $100, if you can support them uh, $50 a month, whatever it might be, that makes a difference and that helps them to keep going. I know for me personally, I've been in the voting booth where I look at those names. I'm like, I don't have any idea what this, who these people are. Uh, as Debbie said, I don't know what this position even does, uh, but here I am. Do I just not vote? Um, you know, you almost don't want to vote if, if you don't know anything about the people, but uh, uh, American Family Association Action uh, Division, iVoter Guide, that helps you with that, and it helps you know uh, to be informed, to know uh, what you're voting for, who you're voting for, what they believe in, so you can make an informed choice. Well, thank you so much for listening today to Real Truth for Today. And I am your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve, the pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries. As I mentioned earlier, you can find out more about From His Heart by going online, fromhisheart.org. We're a national and international uh, preaching, television, radio ministry, and we desire to speak the truth and love to a lost and dying world. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Shreve, at Jeff Shreve, J-E-F-F-S-C-H-R-E-V-E. And I would love to uh, interact with you that way. Hey, make it a great day, shine for Christ, and share what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. I'll be back again with you tomorrow as we talk to Dennis Swanberg. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.